about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the privilege of serving you. Um, And as we come to your word this evening, we ask that we might um, hear it and apply it to our hearts and see that uh, we are transformed by your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight there are threats, conspiracies, um, undermining leadership, plots, fear, jealousy, and we're not talking about Australian politics at the moment. We're talking about... King Saul and Jonathan and David. Uh, Last week, you might remember in our epic uh, travel through 1 and 2 Samuel, there was that great story of David and Goliath, sort of the karate kid option, if you remember, if you were here, um, and David won. This following chapter, in chapter 18 through to 20, we start to see what happens and how that unfolds. And so tonight what I want to do as we think about these chapters is think about the situation, the problem and the solution. The situation so far is that Samuel the prophet has already anointed David as the future king. He's the Messiah, he's the appointed one and he's the one who's going to be king. But at the heart of this passage are the tensions that reflect the differences in response to that news. Saul, on one hand, responds in a particular way, and Jonathan responds in another way. On one hand, Jonathan covenants to love and serve David with all his heart, soul, and mind, but Saul rejects the promised Messiah. Um, Jealousy and fear capture Saul's heart. Um, His life begins to fall apart. He commits treason against God and then find himself under God's judgment. So come with me as we take a quick look at both uh, Saul and Jonathan and their relationship to David um, throughout these two chapters. As I said, David has defeated Goliath, and Saul says to him, come, at the beginning of chapter 18, come and live with me. Come to the palace. Don't go back and be the sandwich boy anymore. Uh, You're going to come and join me in the palace. You've won a great battle. And so um, David, um, David joins Saul in his household. And then, of course, Saul, quite understandably, appoints David as a commander of his troops. And David goes out and has many, many victories. So much so that uh, many of the women of Israel start to sing this song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now, if you read this in the original, the intent here is that they're just celebrating a great victory. They're not trying to compare the two. They're just saying, wow, this is fantastic. We've won. Uh, We're we're making headway. Uh, These guys are great. But Saul doesn't respond that way. And as we read just earlier, he responds with jealousy. He's threatened by David and he keeps a close eye on him. Now, that only gets worse. Uh, We discover him throwing um, a spear at David. He does this twice and misses. He's a really bad shot. Um, And then he tries to manipulate David. 
And so the first thing that he does is offer David his older daughter, Merab, and um, David says, no, I can't afford the dowry. And I think the reason he says that is because he doesn't want to be under the control of the king. Uh, He would owe something to the king if he couldn't afford the dowry, so he says no. Uh, Then in a kind of twist, another daughter says, actually, I really love David, I'd like to get married to him, and Saul says, okay, here's my opportunity. And so he gives David an opportunity to earn a dowry. Now, this is really, really bad. This is awful. Uh, What I'm about to say next is just gruesome, okay? What he says to David is, go out to the Philistines and get me a hundred foreskins. Okay, so David goes off into battle and he brings back 200 foreskins and presents them to the king. Whoa! Don't even want to imagine. Uh, But that's the dowry, okay? And so they do get married. uh, But actually, what happens is Saul doesn't get his way. He doesn't control David. David actually um, has uh, a greater reputation and people honour him even more. So Saul is losing his grip on power all the way through this. Things only get worse. Finally, Saul turns to his family, to Jonathan um, and to his daughters and says to them, I want you to help me murder David. And they both refuse. Now, there's a little bit of hope in verse 6 of chapter 19. Um, Jonathan speaks with his father and convinces him um, that David shouldn't be put to death. And so Saul says, yes, um, I make an oath. I won't put David to death. And yet in the very next Uh, verses, he's throwing spears again, missing David again, um, and he's trying to ensure that David is killed. Finally, um, as we come to the end of chapter 19, uh, Saul sends people uh, people to David's house, Uh, his wife helps him escape, um, and then David escapes to Samuel at Ramah, and uh, at that point Saul then tries again Uh, to send some people after David. Um, Three times he sends three different groups of people uh, to pursue David, and then finally he goes himself, and each time without success. And so what you can see in this brief account of, of these chapters is that Saul continues to reject the promised Messiah, and jealousy and fear are capturing his heart. He's jealous of David, he's fearful and it's just spiralling downwards, as it will throughout the rest of the book. On the other hand, Jonathan presents a very different kind of picture. Now, just a side note on Jonathan. Um, What you'll see in this story is that Jonathan has a very deep friendship with David. Uh, It's a beautiful friendship, actually, and it's a really great model of friendship. Uh, Sometimes people have attempted to sexualise this uh, friendship, and that's kind of, I just think, uh, a reflection of our own cultural narratives at the moment. I think nothing is further from the truth. Uh, These guys were just really good friends and deeply loved one another. Another thought, though, which struck me this week is that Jonathan is a model son. Uh, He completely disagrees with his father, um, and yet he honours his father all the way through. He somehow manages to walk that line of disagreeing with his father, but also honouring his father. And we see that finally actually in 2 Samuel chapter 1, where Jonathan dies on the battlefield next to his father. They're fighting the same battle. 
Uh, so it's really intriguing. If you ever wanted to follow Jonathan through, it's intriguing to see how he deals with his crazy and mad father. Well, as chapter 18 opens up, we meet Jonathan, and Jonathan um, says, and we hear this of Jonathan, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And then Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Now, this is an intriguing moment because if you remember last week, when Saul offered David his armour, David refused it. But in contrast, when Jonathan offers David his armour, he accepts it. And I think what's symbolically taking place here is that Jonathan is saying, I recognise you as God's anointed one, as God's chosen one. Because in effect, what Jonathan is saying is, I'm next in line for the, ki- for the king because I'm Saul's son, but I'm going to offer my kingship or the chance of my kingship to David because he is the anointed one. And so he takes off his tunic, he takes off his sword, etc., bow and belt, and gives them over to David. Now that deep love continues to be expressed without, throughout the passage in chapter 19. Uh, we've already mentioned the fact that he uh, speaks with his father and uh, speaks against the killing of David. And he continues to speak really well of David all the way through. And he says, why are you going to kill him? He's innocent. He's done so much for you. And in a beautiful uh, kind of way, at the end of chapter 20, if you remember the beginning of chapter 18, we had that covenant, that expression of love. At the end of chapter 20, we read these words. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn a friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. And so you just have this beautiful picture of friendship and support and deep love. And then finally, Jonathan is killed in that battle in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And this is what David says. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. And so you see this complete contrast in the reactions to David as the king and the Messiah. On one hand, you have Saul, who has decided to undermine David, to reject him as king. And on the other hand, you have Jonathan, who has embraced the king and honoured him and served him with his whole, with heart, soul and mind. Now, what's Saul's problem as we think about uh, this story and as we briefly um, heard the two different reactions to David the Messiah? Well, as we've mentioned already, I think Saul's problem is that he's jealous. Um, His kingdom is under threat from this uh, amazing warrior. And as we read in James chapter 3, verses uh, 16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder and every vile practice. And that's exactly what's taking place here. The jealousy that Saul has for David and what is happening in his life completely means that, sorry, means that there is disorder and there's every vile practice in what Saul does. 
And effectively, what Saul is doing is saying, well, actually, I have better plans. Uh, I want my kingdom to reign. I don't want your kingdom to reign. And effectively, his jealousy has driven him to the point where his greatest love is not Yahweh, but himself. And that, of course, is the uh, dynamics of jealousy, isn't it? Jealousy is about us. It's about what we do, our desires, our needs, our wants, not about what God wants. And notice also that jealousy is closely related to the ideas of envy and fear. Uh, David's constantly afraid, sorry, uh, Saul is constantly afraid of David. Um, And in fact, his whole life becomes consumed with this deep jealousy, uh, thinking that somehow God loves David more than himself. Now, the truth is that as we think about this particular problem of jealousy and the way that it's affecting Saul's relationship uh, with David, uh, that story is also a story of ours, isn't it? Um, I had assumed that as I got older as a Christian, that somehow I would be able to deal with jealousy and it would be done. Um, But the truth is, it's actually become harder, not not easier. I'll share with you why it's become harder, because as I look at my colleagues and as I look at people around me and I recognise that what they've, what they've done and where they've got to in their own lives, I start to think, how come I didn't get there? How come I didn't achieve that? How come they've got that and I didn't? How come they were offered this and I wasn't? And I can feel the tentacles of jealousy that sort of come out of my heart, starting to look around and starting to compare myself to other people and that, that, that desire to, to be jealous of other people and what they've achieved is, is right there. And then what's made worse is when I start to look at people who are younger than me and start to think, hang on, they've actually got further in their lives than I will ever get myself. Hang on, what's going on here? How come they got that? And how come I can't have that? And I don't know whether you've experienced this, but this, there's this sense of jealousy that starts to invade your life. And I notice the tentacles of jealousy when they come out. Now, how do I deal with this? What what do we do with these kind of feelings that we sometimes find within ourselves? One of the things I think we need to understand is how this problem actually works. And I think in this passage, as we think about jealousy, what we notice is that jealousy is actually a much deeper problem. And jealousy, in fact, is in in its um, end point an act of treason against God. Jealousy is an act of treason against God. Now, if you think about treason, uh, treason is the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill or overthrow a sovereign or a government. And that's exactly what Saul has been doing. He's trying to overthrow, overthrow the rightful king, the rightful Messiah, because he wants his own kingdom to rule. And I guess jealousy in the end says, my plans are better than God's plans. What I want is more significant than what God wants. What God has planned for other people is the wrong thing, and I deserve it more than they do. And so in the end, what I find myself recognizing within my own heart is that jealousy means that my deepest love is myself rather than King Jesus. And therefore, it's treason. Now, it's quite confronting to be 
because it's quite confronting to realise that about my own heart and, and about what it's doing. And of course, what makes this more significant is that this treason, as in any treason in any society, has a judgment. And we see that judgment played out at the end of chapter 18 in a kind of bizarre series of circumstances. Um, as we heard, David uh, escapes to Samuel and then Saul's men come after him. Now, as the Saul's men arrive, they prophesy. And Saul keeps sending his men and they keep prophesying. Finally, Saul arrives himself and he begins prophesying. Now, at first you think, oh, well, maybe they're speaking the words of God, but there's a sense in here where actually something is really dark about what's happening and that they're being controlled and they're under the judgment of God because what happens next is that Samuel strips all his garments off and he's completely naked in the presence of Samuel. Which suggests to me, I think, a deeply shameful moment and one under God's judgment. And so, as a result of this treason, Saul remains under God's judgment and God sees to it that he is judged. And so what do we do with this problem? Well, David was the anointed one, the Messiah, but the truth is that he could not save Saul from his jealousy and his treachery and his judgment. He can't do it. As great a leader as he was, as an anointed leader as he was, he could not save Saul from those feelings of jealousy and actions around jealousy. Of course, David is foreshadowing a greater Messiah, a one who is anointed, one who can save us, one who can deal with treachery and jealousy and the judgment that it brings. And so Jesus, under the judgment of God, allows himself to be forcibly disrobed on the cross, taking the judgment that we deserve for the treason that we have committed, standing in our place and then offering us forgiveness for the jealousy and the treason that we've been engaged in. And so what is the solution to jealousy? Well, first of all, it's repentance, a recognition that we have been treasonous in the way that we have treated God, in a wanting other things for ourselves rather than what he wants for us. And then as we receive that gift of forgiveness, as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross. And as we repent, we find ourselves in a place where we receive forgiveness. And we come to understand that God has deeply loved us in Jesus Christ and called us to himself. That God can't love us more and he can't love us less and that Christ is all that we need that all those jealous feelings will not get us anywhere. But in fact, that what, what we need to do is to recognise who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf and see that God has his best intent for us. And so as I think we let those, those truths uh, sink into our lives and into our hearts, 
And as the Spirit of God continues to work in our lives, we become more like Jonathan. See, Jonathan knew he would never be king. But instead of resenting what God was doing in other people's lives, instead of resenting and becoming jealous over God's anointing of others, what did Jonathan do? He said, I submit to God's plan. I will love. And so he killed jealousy in his own heart by committing to God's plan for Israel, by uplifting Yahweh and worshipping Yahweh and letting his heart worship what God had done. And so Jonathan was more interested in, in God's kingdom above his own kingdom. And that's the way we kill jealousy in our own hearts. We lift up what God is doing and we celebrate what he is doing. And as it were, we come to him and we say, take my armour, take any pretensions I have at kingship, take everything I have and let me love and serve you all my days. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.